When I started the journey, I thought feeling alive meant feeling good. And now a percent of the time, I know that in order to feel that intense joy or gratitude, I also have to feel the opposite. I've now had this mindset of like, life is a game and you just need to learn to play it. I don't believe in hard things. Every time I hear that term, I get incredibly triggered because hard is not an emotion. My name's Mimi Bouchard, founder of Superhuman, the transformational app that helps you become your future self so that you can finally start attracting more joy, abundance, health, wealth, and love into your life. And that's also my mission on this podcast. Meet people whose lives have been transformed in big and small ways, but always for the better. They tell me how they did it so that you can too. Heather, welcome to the Mimi podcast. I am so excited to have you here today. Thank you, Mimi. I'm excited to have this conversation. I love it when the universe just aligns like-minded people. So I'm I'm excited to see what happens. I know. I can't wait to. I was just looking you up online right before this episode and I was watching your TEDx talk and it was so inspiring. I can't wait to pick your brain about so many things. But before we dive in, you have this great saying, it is time to feel alive. What does that mean to you and how has that guided your choices in life? It's interesting because I feel like the definition of aliveness for me keeps evolving over time, but it's really been my number one focus for the last 10 years. And when I started the journey, and we can talk a little bit about the story behind it, but when I started the journey, I thought feeling alive meant feeling good 100% of the time. And that if I wasn't aligned or didn't feel good, then I was doing something wrong. And now aliveness or feeling alive to me is like my goal, my vision. And I know that in order to feel that intense joy or gratitude, I also have to feel the opposite and learn how to process it quickly. And it's actually incredibly simple. It's not as complex as I think we make it as humans. I love that, Heather. I use the word aliveness in a lot of my work as well. And it is so aligned what you teach and really how my work has evolved over the years. I used to be so obsessed with perfection and the hustle culture. And now as I've taken my foot off the brake a little bit, I've actually created more in my life with this new energy about me. So before we dive into your work, as you mentioned, part of your story that is incredibly important that has brought you to where we are sitting here today. I would love for you to share with the audience that pivotal moment in 2013 that shifted everything for you. It's interesting because I will talk about what happened in 2013, but it was actually nine years before that where my first, I'm going to call it holy shit moment, but that like first awakening, how many awakenings do we need to have for speed bump in life? When I became a mother, so I was 18 when I became a mother, that was my first uh aha of like, I can't keep living like this. And at that time, I know I'm still young and trying to figure out who I am, but it was such a jolt into reality that my life is not just for me anymore. And I looked at my son and I thought, I never want you to feel the way that I feel And I don't want to feel like I'm failing at my core, at my root. And then fast forward, I went to school, did all the things, checking the boxes. You talk about hustle. I was checking the boxes, did all the things that I looked around, all the women that I looked up to that were doing. And inside, I was like, I don't 
this is not good. I can see, I'm maybe the visionary in me, the future of what is going to happen if I keep abandoning myself and neglecting myself. And so slowly I was doing the work, personal development work, investing in mentors, going to the retreats, doing all the things. But there was one bucket of my life that I felt, I don't want to call it out of alignment with, or I just did not feel confident. And that was my physical body. And I just kept doing, 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 doing. Then fast forward at that point, I had three boys. My youngest was a year old. And it was December of 2013 when my physical symptoms just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger until I could no longer use the excuse of I don't have time to take care of myself. And I was diagnosed with a stage four cancer. And that to me was like all the work that I was doing. And it was like the universe was like, okay, are you going to keep saying that you don't have time for yourself? Are you going to keep saying that you are not worthy of receiving what you want and desire? And all the answers that I'm seeking of how to grow a profitable business, how to be a quote unquote good mother, how to do everything were all external. And it came back to the moment of like, oh crap, I can no longer run away from myself. So you've been through something that is so deeply scary and sad, and I can't imagine what that would feel like getting that diagnosis, especially having a family. And I I bet that'd be just such a confusing fact to learn. How did you deal with that? And was it an immediate shift inside of you? What was it really like getting that news and wanting change? Yeah. So It's interesting how the brain works because I'm so disassociated from like the actual pain of what I went through. I talk a lot about it in my book, Dying to Be a Good Mother, and that's a prescriptive memoir. So it's not just about this journey. But when I go back and I read those pages, I can really see like, wow, how far I've come. And I also it reminds me of just this whole human experience of like we actually believe if we do X, Y, Z, we are 100% guaranteed the result that our brain wants or that our ego wants. And when I go back to that moment, what I've noticed, like, yes, it was terrifying because I could no longer run away from my core fear, which was my fear of dying. And it's been interesting because I would say 10 years ago, I was in a state of survival mode physically, probably on some levels emotionally. And because of the life stage that I was in raising young children, I was told from friends and colleagues and professionals that I was hiring. And even when I would go to a doctor or a therapist, this is life. Suck it up, buttercup. And there was a part of me that was like, no, this is not life. This is not the way that I will live. And I see how women carry out this conversation. And so I had to come face to face with fear. And I thought, once I get over this, everything is going to be rainbows and kitty cats. But this fear was not one of those like your brain is just making up a what if statement like this could actually become your reality. And I remember every single day, you know, we started this conversation. How do you want to feel feeling alive? That was when I really dug into, okay. All these seeds were planted. You've been reading these books. You've been doing the things. Now you got to do the work. You have to embody it. And I know when I've been listening to your app, Mimi, like talking about like the energy shifts, this is what I developed called energetic time management. It's not about doing more. For me, it's doing less better. But how do I get back to the energy that I desire? 
So I tell this story. I was in a moment. I remember I was like in the bathroom because that's what we do at three o'clock in the morning when you're having a panic attack. I'm in the bathroom and I'm crying because I'm facing this fear. My body is in a state of fight or flight and I'm facing this fear of like, you're going to die. And of course, my energy is incredibly low. So I'm kind of like at my bottom and I didn't want to disturb my family. Everyone was sleeping and I'm telling myself this story in my mind. You're going to die. You're going to die. And my brain was just on this loop. And I thought, okay, I know enough that I am not present. Get to the present moment. So then I come present and I'm like, I am here. I am alive. Feel my body. Like you are alive today, Heather. That's all you have in this moment. You are physically here. Then I asked myself, how do you want to feel? So I had to get my brain from the negativity bias to the present moment to future thinking. And then when I got it to future thinking, how do you want to feel? How do you want to feel? And I'm just repeating over and over again. I'm like, I want to feel alive. I want to feel alive. I want to feel alive. Well, then maybe I got scared again because I didn't know how to feel alive. I thought my identity was wrapped up in do, 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 do for everyone else. And so that's when I had to become the detective. How can I feel alive today, even though I have a one-year-old, a three-year-old, a five-year-old, and I'm in the middle of treatment, and I have no energy? And oh, by the way, I'm in startup in my business, and I don't have the privilege of not working at this point because I need that extra $100 a month. I need that extra $500 a month. So it was like the slow and steady pace. It was not this all or nothing. And I started putting these things on my to-do list 10 minutes at a time. What would an alive person do? And an alive person, although she's going to have her pity party today, she's going to get out of bed and she's going to take that shower. And some days that's all I had the energy for. And then I start, okay, get out of bed, take a shower, sit on the front porch. And then it was like, okay, keep going, keep going, keep going. And then I started utilizing the same concept in my business, in my parenting, in my health. And when I'm now out of alignment, which is 100 times a day, I'm asking myself, how do I want to feel? And then mentally trying to shift myself back, hold those boundaries with myself, clear my calendar, put the strategic things on my calendar if needed. I'm no longer saying, how much more can I get done? I can't go to sleep until this to-do list is done. And if I do, that's one day. That is not my identity. That's so crazy that this energetic time management concept was created from that. First of all, so incredible going through so much and still having that voice inside of your head be strong of, I want more out of this life. I want change. I want to feel different. Tell me a bit more about this energetic time management concept of yours. So what is the exact description of it if you were to describe it in two sentences or less? Reverse engineer how you want to feel. And It's not the thing that you want, it's the feeling. And I have to give that to Danielle Laporte. Her book, The Desire Map, came out right around this time. And I am so grateful. It's like they say you don't need the training or the work until like life happens to you. And oftentimes what I'm hearing is like something happens in people's lives and then that's their wake up call. But I had all this under my belt. So I was like, oh, wow, that was the training. This is actually the marathon. Like this is the it's race day. And it was interesting because I've always felt like I had something big to say or deep inside of me. And, you know, parenting and my son's behavior was the trigger. But as soon as this happened to me and as I literally had clients focused on their children and parenting and relational things, it was interesting because they would say to me, I don't have time, Heather. 
I don't have the energy. My marriage is falling apart. I hate my career, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh, now I get it. If we are not aligning our energy with the actual physical time that we have, with the life that we want, we are just projecting our fears, our thoughts, our beliefs, our feelings onto everybody else and blaming them for how we feel. And so it's all about reverse engineering how you want to feel, but it's not the thing you're after. It's the feeling. So you want more money. Great. What is the feeling that you think you're going to have when you get that money? Oh, I'm going to feel free. I'm going to feel awesome. Okay. And then you're going to get it. You're going to be like, why am I not feeling that way? Because it's not the thing that we're after. It's the feeling. So if I can get back to the feeling and develop that skill right? And the tangible was, okay, what am I physically going to put on my calendar? Because I needed to see a physical, okay, I'm going to do the journal. I'm going to do the meditation. And sometimes it's not physical time, right? That's like level one. Level two is like, how do I get back in alignment in the actual moment when things are coming at me? And so as you develop the skill, you go to the advanced level, But I realized, oh, great. Yes, more money allows me to have more resources, but it's not the actual thing that I am after. It's truly cliche when they say it's about the journey and who you become. Beautiful. And high level, tell me about what happened over the past, you know, 10 years with the cancer. You know, how did you fight it? And do you think that this dedication to your own personal development had a big part in that healing? 1000%. It was interesting because when I was diagnosed, I remember thinking my actual first thought was maybe my dad will notice me now. And because that was my first thought, instead of trying to still seek that, I thought, wow, that's a wound. That's something that needed to be healed. And I think oftentimes when we have a physical diagnosis, like I'm thriving, I'm healthier than ever. But when we have a physical diagnosis, we try to heal the body, but we also have to heal the emotions behind it. And I thought, interesting that that was my first thought. So then I dug into that. What am I seeking there? What is it like the relationship I want with him? Am I going to get it? Do I need to grieve the loss of the relationship? And so that's what my podcast is all about. Emotionally uncomfortable is we want the joy. We want the abundance. But we also have to realize, like, what is the actual root story we're telling ourselves that needs to get our energy and attention? And I remember trying to hit it from all angles. So at first, I was in a crisis state, had to get my body to a state of survival and then momentum. I talk about this in my TEDx talk. So I worked a lot on the body. And I remember at first, it was like I was running away from my fear, which was, of course, dying. And then I got to a place where I'm like, okay, I'm good, right? The doctors are checking off. I had functional medicine practitioners. I was doing all the things. And I'm like, how can I now get further away from cancer? What is this? And then it got to a state where I was like in a thrival state. And I'm like, how can I optimize my life? So It wasn't just like, oh, good. Other people are telling me I'm okay. It was how good can I feel? And so if I actually look back now, I am healthier than I've ever been in my entire life. And it just keeps getting better and better and better. And then when my physical body was okay and my emotional body, now I'm looking at like my financial health, my relational health, all the other areas of my life. 
And the work is never done. I think that's also an illusion people tell themselves like, I'm going to join this program. And then after the program, everything's going to be great. And then I can stop doing the work. I'm going to do this for 10 minutes a day. And then my life is going to be perfect. And that story we tell ourselves that someday when the work will be done is such a lie and an illusion. So I've now have this mindset of like, life is a game and you just need to learn to play it. What was it like when you first heard the doctor say that you're cancer free? Were you expecting it? Were you in this energetic state of just like, yeah, of course it's going to go? Yes, I could feel that deeply. It's interesting when you say that because I definitely was not seeking external validation. I think a part of what left me because I, I say dying to be good, right? Dying to be a good mother. But I think we're all dying to be good in some aspect. And then hopefully it takes you a day or a week to remember, oh, but there is a lot of unlearning. When I became a mother, I let go of the rebel part of me, the part that was the questioner. And I wanted to be good. So I did what other people thought I needed to do as a good mother. Like it was a weird identity shift. Moving forward, when my doctor was like, you are in remission, I, of course, was physically relieved, but I didn't have the full respect for them that they were looking at the holistic perspective. And so I said, thank you. And I'm going to prove you wrong. Right. Like there was some things like you have 10 months, you know, statistically speaking, if it's going to come back, it's going to come back in 10 months. And it was a rapid growing cancer. So I'm like those 10 months. Oh, boy. I was like, I'm going to do all the things and I'm just going to prove all these people wrong and I'm going to thrive. But I do remember feeling like and I actually have kind of similar feelings now. I'm not living in a state of crisis. I'm not living in a state of survival in most areas of my life or any area of my life. And I find people get really comfortable when we're comfortable and there's no crisis around us. As a visionary or myself, and it's what I hear a lot, especially with women who are like trying to balance it all, we do very well managing crisis. So I now physically try not to blow up my life but I make myself emotionally uncomfortable so I can go to the next level. And I'm like, how can I challenge myself without burning out? How can I challenge myself without blowing up my business model? How can I just keep doing less better, go to the next level, really enjoy the moment? And it's fascinating because I still have to face some of my deepest fears on a daily basis, and I can't even put words to it sometimes. So the human experience is fascinating to me. And also, I just want to add how wise our bodies are, how they tell us exactly what we need, where we need to go, what we need to pay attention to. And when you develop the skill of learning how to listen and then say thank you and then act on that, there's symptoms and signs that are there years before, but we're just not paying attention. All right. As you guys know, I love my rituals and my routines, and I love putting good habits in place. An effective routine reduces stress, helps you stay motivated. It leads to better sleep. And for me, a lot less anxiety. You guys know I do certain things in the morning and the evening, and I also stay quite consistent with these supplements that I take. Organifi is one of those companies that I have used for literally years now, and I've been talking about them for years now, and so many of you have gotten hooked on their products too. 
Organifi is my favorite way to keep my healthy routine in check. I use so many of their products throughout the day. I start my day with their green juice. Most mornings I have smoothies, and when I do, I use the Organifi Vanilla Protein Powder. It is plant-based, low sugar, so delicious. And then in the afternoons, I've been having the Glow Drink, which is amazing for skin health, or I'll have the red juice, which is also just so delicious and full of antioxidants. And then at night when I have a sweet tooth, I'll often head for the cupboard where my Organifi chocolate gold drink is. This is like a healthy hot chocolate. I am obsessed with these products because they taste amazing and they are packed with superfoods that genuinely make you feel incredible. The thing about Organifi is that their quality of ingredients is so high, but then the taste is so good. So that doesn't happen often with supplement brands. Definitely go check them out. Head to Organifi.com forward slash Mimi for 20% off your entire order, including sale items. They also offer a money back guarantee. You guys gotta get on this healthy routine of Organifi. It is honestly one of my favorite habits and I look forward to using their products every day. Again, head to Organifi, O-R-G, anifi.com forward slash Mimi and use the code Mimi to get 20% off your entire order. Now let's get back to the episode. So you were just talking about burnout and as a fellow female entrepreneur, I would love to shift gears a little and focus on this topic now. How do we succeed without working incredibly hard to burnout? Okay. So I feel like one, you need to acquire a language around what success feels like. Also, I don't believe in hard things. Every time I hear that term, I get incredibly triggered because hard is not an emotion. Is it hard to like send a pitch? No. Like when you do the act of it, it is emotionally uncomfortable. And so all the things to build a business are not physically hard. Sometimes we are telling ourselves our story that it's hard. And so when we're like, it's hard to build a business, it's hard to be successful, your brain is going to search for the hard. And then you're, it's like the self-fulfilling prophecy. So what I had to tell myself, example, this morning, I got triggered from one of my team members Something was said and she didn't even know she triggered me. She made a comment and I went down this rabbit hole mentally about how I don't feel supported and how things aren't getting done and she's not focusing her energy and attention where she needs to. And it was this whole thing that I did in my mind. Nobody knew about it. And I was like, oh, okay. how is this serving you? And I was like, well, I do have a story that like I'm no one supports me and blah, 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 because I need to be misindependent. There's the blessing of that because I will get shit done. And the curse of that, the shadow of that is you're going to burn out because you have a team around you or support system and you're looking out telling yourself that nobody is good enough to support you and you are just almighty and blah, 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 like so egotistical. So what I did is I asked myself mentally, huh, is this aligned? How do you want to feel? Well, I want to feel connected. I want to feel supported. Great. Is this conversation you're having in your head, Heather? really supported towards her right now? Does she need support? And then I was like, let go. And I just like unhooked myself and I transitioned from the negativity bias back to the moment. And it's not hard. It's just emotionally uncomfortable. So when I discovered like the core, core, core skill I need to acquire is emotional intelligence 
I could literally accomplish anything. And I also, what I love is, yes, we're always in our own stuff and we can't see ourselves, but when you can see this in other people, and I'm like, how do I do that too? Instead of judging people, I'm always trying to be like, how do I do that as well? And then I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm gonna work on myself. So I, I'll see people all the time be like, my team doesn't support me and blah, blah, blah. And then I'm thinking, well, if I talk to my team the way that you talk to your team, I wouldn't want to support you either. Like you aren't very approachable. Like you're kind of mean. You're a bully. So how do I want to feel? I pay attention to that in my communication. I pay attention to that the way that, of course, at the end of the day, it's how I treat myself. And I think that's something we're always going to be like sharpening that. But yeah, when we believe it's hard, we will find the hard. When we believe it's emotionally uncomfortable, we can relax into it a little bit more and lean in to the emotional resistance and manage and process that energy instead of just chipping away and feeling exhausted and burnt by the end of the day. Because burnout actually, like, it costs you hundreds of thousands of dollars. And if my energy equals money, I'm going to want to constantly raise my energetic vibration and impact, money and impact. So how do you go about setting boundaries, both professionally and personally, to prevent burnout? Well, I think there's physical boundaries like here's my physical time. Here's my emotional time. Here's my energetic time. Like there's different types of boundaries. Lately, I've been noticing that every next level, I was like, oh, wow, those boundaries need to be sharper and sharper and sharper. And some things are like tricky. So I watch what I'm angry about. I watch what I'm resentful about. I watch where I go and it'll a little numb. I watch what's slipping off of my calendar. And I really try to put on the hat of the detective. And I always I do tell myself a story that I'm not into data and spreadsheets and all of that. But I really look at like emotional data and energetic data. So besides getting the physical things done, making sure that I have people around me that are holding me accountable to doing the physical, I do do a lot of the emotional. And so if I am not fueling myself, moving my body, if my head is not in the right space, I'm using things like your app. Like what I love about your app is it could be three to five minutes. And I can actually, I'm going to say multitask, but like I can do the walk and listen at the same time and just a little course correction. When I started this process, I was like, I need to sit in meditation. I need to visualize. It needs to come in. It needs to be perfect. But if I can get from a state of I am overwhelmed to no, this is abundance and I just need to focus my energy and attention on one thing. What's the next right thing? And then sometimes, honestly, I'm like, you know what? I need to have deep, 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 deep self-trust. And that has been a skill that I have definitely been focused on of like, what's aligned for me? Everyone else is telling me what to do in my life or what this needs to look at. And I've noticed that going from soul, soul ownership or soul proprietor to like company. And I'm like, well, you are the visionary. You do have last word or you are the CEO. You are the driver of this vision. If you are not bought into the vision or you feel like we're headed off path, be honest about that. Be like, hey, guys, if you want me in, I got to be aligned with what's going on. This does not feel good. And really taking a stand, not only for how you want to feel, but everyone else listening deeply, talking that out with people. But then you have to have the courage to act on those things. I truly believe most people know what they need to do. It's just the courage to say it out loud. Amen. 
Amen. That's beautiful. So I know we are closing up on time here. So I'd love to jump into our quick fire section of the podcast. What are some of your daily non-negotiables? It's funny because I always say I'm consistently inconsistent with the daily non-negotiables. I would say right now it's fueling my body, eating enough because I will go into focus mode and under eat. So food and hydration are definitely non-negotiables. Always tuning in with myself. How do I want to feel? How am I feeling? And what do I need to do in the future as well? What is your go-to productivity hack when you're feeling unmotivated? (laughs) 20-minute timer and typically telling someone, hey, I'm going to spend 20 minutes focus on this task that I'm resisting, getting that done, and then really celebrating it like I'm a little child with a sticker chart or something. But it's usually 20-minute timer with something I'm really resisting. That's great. What is the most impactful or who is the most impactful mentor that you've ever had? Okay. The first person that came to my mind is my actual husband. I think because I see a lot of women with partners that are not supportive and I see how that just takes them out. And I can have some pretty unique and adventurous ideas. And although we are yin and yang, he has always supported me. And when I truly don't believe I am capable of doing something, he will say to me, I've never seen you fail at something or quit. I believe in you. And I would say that he's my number one mentor. That's so nice. What is one word to describe your coaching style? No bullshit. (laughs) No fluff. And I'll tell you what you need to hear, not always what you want to hear, because I truly believe in people. Books or podcasts? Podcasts or audiobooks. What is your favorite way to unwind? Something that will calm my nervous system. A good hot yoga class. I also love Netflix and a warm bath. Beautiful. And I ask most people on the podcast my favorite question, which is, if you could meet your future self 10 years from now, who is she? What does she look like? What does she do? This is if everything went right over the next decade. If you could meet her, what would she be like? Who is she? She's definitely... It's funny because I do a lot of this. I think about her and I don't always think about what she looks like because I'm pretty unattached to that version of me because I think the version of me today, thinking about that is actually thinking too small. So I'm very unattached and wide open, but she's deeply proud of who she's become and she's giving back in a big way beyond what she ever thought was possible. Thank you so much, Heather, for coming on. This was such an inspiring episode. Where can everyone find you to continue following on your journey? So I'm very active on my podcast. It's called Emotionally Uncomfortable. You can check it out anywhere. Listen to podcasts. I have a lot of free resources on my website, book, all the things, quizzes, step-by-steps, Heather Chauvin, C-H-A-U-V-I-N.com. Beautiful. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Mimi. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And if you enjoyed this episode, we have hundreds more like it. So don't forget to subscribe and rate the show to ensure more episodes get targeted to you when you open up your podcast app. Bye for now.